Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? What's up? <laughs> Welcome to episode five of Culture Fear. Five's a pretty cool number to be at. This podcast is really a podcast, you know. I just want to say a little disclaimer, though. Opening these podcasts and recording myself talk is always the hardest part for me. I find it difficult to talk and take myself seriously, and I get extremely self-conscious with it all. So apologies if this all sounds as forced as I dread it might. But what I am saying is all thought out to a certain degree, and definitely something I want to keep on doing and get better at. There's a few things I want to talk about which tie into the previous episode of the podcast. Firstly, and this is a bit of a ramble, but I'll go ahead... And if you don't enjoy it, you can just skip it because that's the beauty of a podcast. On the last episode, I said this episode would be with our first international guest. I realise, of course, that that's not the case. This podcast is made in Britain by me, someone who's always lived in Britain. Of course, I don't define this podcast as being British. But when I talk about international guests, it, I guess, is within mind that I'm recording this in London, England, Britain. And our first episode was with a guest from overseas, Kate Flynn, who is from Ireland. No one picked up on this and I didn't get any emails or tweets, but I did think about it myself. Of course it was a slip of a tongue, a use of a phrase because I was and am excited about today's guests. But I also want to point out that Ireland is not Britain. In spite of 800 years of British colonial brutality, some would argue more, Ireland is certainly not Britain. It got me thinking about my own Irishness. How Irish am I? Well, I guess I have an incredibly Irish name. I take an active interest in what is going on in Ireland as much as I can and actively learn about the history of Ireland, which is definitely something most Brits don't. We don't learn about Irish history in our school system in Britain. I guess a lot of my affinity for Ireland comes from my father. When he was 11, he watched his father die. So a lot of what he remembers or has come to define his father by was how proud he was of being Irish. My grandfather moved to London was a huge part of the South West London Irish community. If you ever go to the South London Irish Centre, well, he was the founding member and built the place. When Dad was older, he'd go back to Kerry and he'd hear all the stories about his father and his family. I saw a picture of my great-grandfather when I was over in Kerry last summer. He was 100 when he died in 1961. He was in the old Irish Republican Army and looking at that timeline, that could have seen him fighting in the War of Independence and definitely leading up to it. These stories, thoughts and feelings got handed down and I am so glad that they have and it's something that I feel. But of course, at the same time, I'm not sure where that puts me because of course I've been brought up and can continue to live with the privileges afforded to me due to Britain's colonial history. I guess it depends on who you ask. It's just something I think about from time to time and you're welcome to give me an opinion and if that opinion is to just shut up at the start of these podcasts and get on with it, then let me know. If you enjoy these rambles, thanks for listening and that's cool too. Um, quick update, I'm sending this via WhatsApp to Liam, so sorry if it doesn't sound good on the podcast. I saw my grandma today 
and I worked out I got a bit of the story wrong. The man that I, the man that lived to be 100, was my great great grandfather. My great grandfather Bill is the one who fought, which was compounded by the story that she told me after. When Grandma went over to meet my grandfather's family, Bill asked her where her parents were from, and she told him Kilkenny in Waterford. He replied, "Oh yeah, I went on holiday to Kilkenny once." Later that night, my grandfather told her he'd never been on holiday in his life. He'd been up there to fight, but obviously he didn't want her to let her know at the time. <laughs> Just thought I'd add that in to add a bit of context, so I wouldn't lose a whole generation of story. <laughs> but back to Kate. Her band, The Winter Pass, is coming over at the end of this month, February 2018. They're playing all over England with Wonows and Fresh, two very sick bands. I'll be at the Leeds and Kingston shows, so maybe I'll see you there. Unfortunately, there's some sad news. Phil, who was on our last episode, and his band Silent Front were in France a few weeks ago playing their last shows, and their van crashed. Fortunately, none of them died, but it sounds like it was really fucking close. Not much I can say about that, apart from how grateful I am that everyone is alive and recovering. They do have a Just Giving page set up to help for medical bills and transportation back to London in an ambulance from a French hospital. Head to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Silent Front Brux Maria. That's Silent Front, like the band, and Brux Maria, like the band, B-R-U-X, Maria. If you can spare anything, that'll go a long way. Right, we're almost at the end of my chatting. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, post about it on the internet, or tell a friend about it. Feel free to let me know your thoughts and stuff, and if you have any questions. Just find me at CultureFear on Twitter and Instagram and all the rest. This episode that you're listening to now is a conversation with Mimi Gallagher. She came over to hang out on holiday and I thought it was the perfect opportunity to have a chat with her for this and I think the conversation went great. Not many of my friends have ever signed a proper recording contract for their band before so talking about that was new to me and incredibly interesting. Listen to her band 8 who you'll be listening to at the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Catch you next month when you'll be hearing me talk to Mimi's known and bandmate, Dose. Thanks, take care of yourself and enjoy. Hey. Cool. Hey, Mimi. How you doing? Hey, Sean. Good. How you doing? <laughs> Good. What are you eating right now? Almonds. Almonds. Nice. So what have you been up to? Uh, <laughs> Bar the almonds. Uh, like today? Yeah, sure. Well, we already talked. <laughs> ta- yeah, I already told the, you what I did. The listeners have not heard. Oh, so we have to, uh. we have to like pretend. <laughs> okay. Are we not allowed to talk about anything we've ever spoken about before? <laughs> This could be weird. Um, (laughs) Today, um, I went, my brother and I uh, went to visit our pals, Giles and Bob, on Bob's boat. Um, We hung out on the boat. It was a beautiful day. Went to the pub. Cool. Can you remember what the pub was called? Uh, The White... White Mart? Is that what it's called, Joey? White Heart? White Mart. White Heart. I thought it was called Mart. <laughs> White Heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, the age looked like an M. Okay. How do you know Giles and um, Bob? Um, I know Giles and Bob through music. Um, the Through you, really. <laughs> But do like, do they play music? in a band that maybe you've toured with or something like that? Yeah. Perhaps. Um, Nona did a little a little tour with Cynics. 
Oh, so they're in Great Cynics? Mm-hmm. They're in Great Cynics? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, we had a fun little tour back in, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, I can't, I'm so bad with years now. Now that Maybe, like, now must that, be at least five, right? Probably yeah, a lot no, longer. Maybe five. Maybe, what year is it? 2018. Uh, maybe it was 2011 or 12. Yeah. Down to the fest. Oh, the fest. We didn't play the fest, but... As, was that a political statement? Going oh, there course. but not playing? Of okay. course. Cool. Um, and we had a fun, we had a fun little trip down there. Pavey was with us too. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, it, a beautiful friendship blossomed yeah, yeah. from that. That's cool. So you've, you've, you've hung out with them a bunch since, or was that the first? Yeah. Since then, bunch of hangs with the, with them. Cool. Um, Yeah. Okay, so what brings so we're uh, at the moment in um, Liam, our, my engineer, Culture Fears engineers, bedroom in Kingston. What? So you're on holiday at the moment? Yes, holiday. <laughs> Sweet. So, um, what what brings you to the UK? You and your brother, I guess. At the same time. Um, just to uh, see, mainly to see you and other friends that have. Uh, have been to America a couple times since the last time I was over here. So I felt like I... Obligation oh, took you here. Right? <laughs> well, I just want to... You didn't want to be rude. I just owe, owe all you guys a visit. But also I wanted, I wanted to come to England too. And I'm with my brother who has lots of cool interests. Uh, and... He's got a bunch of cool stuff planned. He's a bit of an Anglophile, isn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, we're gonna. He's he's got some plans to see some cool stuff, and I'm kind of I'm kind of just tagging along. But I know I know it's gonna be cool. I trust him. <clears throat> but uh, has he get, has he kind uh, of taught shown you a lot? So your age gap is really small, right? Yeah, eleven months. Irish twins. So have you always? Um, been like pretty close in like your what you enjoy yeah very very close um pretty pretty damn close like uh yeah we've always been interested in a lot of different things but also a lot of the same things at the same time yeah so you you weren't in the same year at school no one year apart he was one year above and you grew up in uh would it is it a suburb of Philly or is it a bit further than a suburb of Philly? It's considered a suburb of Philly. Okay. Uh, about fifty minutes southwest of Philadelphia. Okay, cool. Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And how's that as a town for growing up? Great, love it. Because you're still pretty tight with a lot of those friends and. Oh yeah. They're into like music and stuff like that. Growing yeah, up, right? we had a cool, super cool thing going when we were. Younger, uh, very cool place, very pretty. Uh, I mean, not not like a whole lot like to do. Uh, besides, like just hang out with your friends, but that's we were really really good at hanging out. Yeah, and, and who's who was was your house 
one that your parents made sure your friends would feel welcome or was yeah. it always elsewhere? No, it was totally our house. It was a hub, hub for uh, friendship. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful place. And would they like, so would, so obviously you and your brother were close growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Would you like, you have friends that were your age that you were in class with that would be friends with Joe as well? Yeah, we had a, we mainly shared the same friend group that spanned a, a few, a few years, a few different grades. Yeah. Uh, but we were all friends. What, what was uh, the, what was the connector of all your friends? Um, if it was over, if it wasn't to do with just age and being in the same class, was there something or was it just that you just fell into it? Um, I think it was just like sort of fell into it. But I mean, we all had similar interests. Like, you know, everyone was into music and like counterculture and like, uh, so there was definitely that, that we all bonded over. But, um, yeah, I think it was, I don't know. I don't know what exactly like attracted us all to one another, but we found our way to each other and, yeah. And, uh, do you feel like your count love of counterculture? Like, is that because of your friends or was it like because of your parents or? Uh, parents had a lot to do with it for sure. Got us into some really cool music at a super young age. Because Uh, they were listening to it or because you just found their records one day? Uh, both happened simultaneously. Uh, my dad always was playing super cool music, uh, and had like a really cool, um, CD collection when CDs were hip. Um, so, uh, you know, he would play, he would, you know, play some CDs and then we would like dig through his CD collection and figure out. Yeah what it was look through the liner would you still what do you like what comes on at a pub and like you and your friends are all singing along and then you're like wow i wonder maybe if i know this because of my dad and these guys have found it in like so far away from their parents mm-hmm. yeah uh well a few bands that definitely stand out as ones that our dad got us into um definitely nirvana um, it was a big one, and the Lemonheads is another really big one, and the Ramones is another. So those are like kind of the three, yeah, uh, three bands that um, that he he was clearly the one that first introduced yeah. um, us to them, and it's cool because they're three pretty different bands. Um, uh, yeah. So from there. Uh, you can know. go any like so far from there, can't you? Like, yeah, yeah, that's where it, yeah, certain subcultures started with. Um, like if we take Nirvana and Ramones, especially, yeah, you start with those two, and you can go, you can find anything with, um, well, not anything, you can find a lot of like guitar music today is because it's like somewhere along the line are influenced by those two, yeah, exactly, yeah, um, for a western vein, anyway, right. <clears throat> Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So was your was your dad and like maybe your mum, were they um like counterculture or were they like what what was their deal when before you or like do you hear stories um, or what are they like now or like growing up? Yeah, like I mean 
my dad's uh was I don't know I I can't like fully grasp like really the type of person he was when he was like our age yeah uh he kind of like uh had I don't know he was kind of all over the place but like definitely super into punk went to a ton of cool shows um that we hear about all the time um what was the big he saw did he see the clash the first time that they were in the states Mm -hmm. yeah that's a cool one yeah that is very cool um so yeah he's got some sort of like legendary shows like that um under his belt um and he was cool yeah he was i mean kind of similar to us like just he had a really tight group of friends and they would just always be doing like weird funny stuff and just hanging out and my mom too um she wasn't as much into punk stuff well a little bit but she was into other cool music and um uh just a cool lady in general so you know um they're just cool people they're just like really cool and really nice so they like and encouraged us to um sort of uh be who we yeah. wanted to be did they put like instruments in you and your brother's hands or did you ask and they were happy to oblige uh i think it was more like we asked and they were happy to oblige that's cool because i guess um uh yeah that's where you the practice space was in your basement right yeah yeah i was what was your uh, first instrument well when i was 10 i got a i got my first guitar excuse me um when I was 10 for a birthday one year because I had asked for it. But then it didn't really click with me then. Yeah. Um, I didn't really... I got it, but I didn't really yeah. play it. Um, but then when I was... Um, when I was like 13, 14, I got interested in learning guitar again. It was cool because at school we actually had like a guitar class so we all had to learn how to play guitar yeah so that's kind of what where I learned the basics um but then I was like wait I want I want to be a drummer I want a drum set so then so then I got a drum set and I was super into the drums and that was kind of the first instrument that I like got yeah I feel like I met you as a drummer yeah I was when you met me, I think I was like Messing starting around, to transition into being a guitar, more of a guitar player. But yeah, I was still like primarily a drummer. Yeah. Um, and we were like 18, 19 at that time, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, and drums were really cool. Um, but it, I think I just decided that, uh, I wanted to be the center of attention okay, and yeah. wanted to be a guitar player and a front person. Um, so then, so then I picked the guitar back up. And okay. So what bands did you do before? Like with, with, when you were just drumming and that was uh, your focus? My first band was called Mediocre Egg Yolks with wow. my friends, Trey and Scott. Cool. Uh, we were super weird. It was just like Trey and Scott both play guitar I play drums, no bass player. Um, 
Yeah, really weird, <laughs> really just <laughs> like weird songs, but really cool. Uh, it was a great uh, introduction for me. Yeah, as far as being in a band. And then um, I, I remember hearing a great story about you and your brother did a started a band, right? TV dinner. TV. And you played a first show, just the two of you, with some uh, songs you told everyone you wrote. Yeah, we played some Andrew WK <laughs> covers and said that they were ours, uh, which was pretty clever of us as as young, I don't know, 14, 15, 15, 16-year-olds. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Did anyone clock on that? No, because I don't think anyone really knew who. I don't think yeah. many people were really familiar with Andrew WK. And did you wear? Did you did you do the cold? We didn't know. We didn't do that. We were just okay. wearing just, what we would normally wear. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So, um, TV dinner kind of blossomed into a lot more than that, though, right? Yeah, TV dinner did. Uh, it sort of it was kind of cool. It kind of well, we added our friend Trey, who was in my first band. What happened to Scott? Or is it um, kind of a fuck Scott situation? Oh no, no, Scotty, no. Uh, not at all. We just went. He's just sort of went in as we got a little older, more deep into like high school and stuff. He just sort of went a, a different direction, but uh, no fine. hard feelings at all. Yeah, if you're listening, Scott. If you're listening, let's get the band back together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. Without Trey, just the two of you. No, we got. You can have play Trey. guitar. Scott can. We gotta have Trey. Okay. So, yeah, you, Trey, and Joe start mm-hmm. writing songs together. Yeah. Um, and it was the same thing. Joey and Trey both play guitar and I play drums. Um, but we all, three of us, all wrote songs. Yeah. Um, so it was a cool, like, collaborative thing. Um, it, yeah, it was, like, a super cool project, like, um, a really cool creative and you did an uh, album, right? We did an album called Smiley Virus. <laughs> and um, who did you record with? Uh, we recorded that with a different Scotty. Um, <laughs> Scotty Leach, who was in an incredible band from our area called Pirouette. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and that band was super influential to us and to our peer group. Um, and Scotty became a friend of ours, and we played a lot of shows with him. Um, and he had like a little recording set up in his basement at his parents' house. Um, so we recorded there with Scotty and yeah, so that was kind of like my first like recording experience. And the songs that you wrote, did you write on guitar or you just wrote the words? I'd write them on guitar. Cool. Yeah. And then teach Joey and Trey and then I would sing and play them on, on the drums. Nice. Um, probably two of my favorite TV dinner songs are at least two of yours remember hearing you tell me a story about how you fell asleep and you woke up with the uh the chorus of pizza trees. oh yeah yeah that uh, was that was a song that came to me in a dream yeah so even back then like the you know the heavens were working together to exactly give you the riffs god has always been on my side <laughs> <laughs> thank you god <laughs> if you're listening probably are of course he is. He's always listening. Yeah. Give Culture Fear a bit of that, please. Yep. 
<laughs> Share the love. Um, yeah, so that's cool. So you, so did you, did you play shows, TV dinner? And like when, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, go, what was, what was that about? So you did, you played shows? Yeah, we played a bunch of shows at our parents' house where we had shows. Cool. Um, a lot, which was really fun. Um, All like local bands and friends, like pirouette, yeah, just like lo- you said. Yeah, just like local bands from surrounding suburbs. Sometimes some bands from Philly. Um, so were you going to Philly at the time to hit up shows? Yeah, we'd go to Philly um, pretty often for for shows. You take the train up and go go see a show and cool. Yeah, started meeting some, making some Philly friends. Yeah. That way. But um yeah, we play shows at my parents' house and at Scotty's house who we recorded with. And uh at like my high school we would play which was funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess um yeah, if we met when I was eighteen. Mhm. Um Did you I think you turned you had a birthday. Yeah, I was nineteen first, when I left. You had turned like, nineteen. The day I left. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so how long had you known the people that I knew? Like, um, like, yeah, cause I, well, I guess at the same time there was, um, um, I guess I met and s- interacted with friends of yours, like Miles and like Joe uh-huh. through, um, that last FM group, Get Rad, uh-huh. which I guess you were on as well, right? Which is I like, wasn't on Get Rad, no, okay. but I... I knew all about it. Yeah. So that was like a, an emo thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, so that must have been a good like year or two before that, right? Uh, get Rad? Yeah. Yeah. That must have I been I think around... it stopped by the time I had gone over. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely at least a year or two. I think, I think I became friends with that whole, all the Westchester people, like, a year before you came over. Okay. Or like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, a year and a half. Cool. cool. I was 18. I just turned 18. When yeah. I met them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because when I got over, so like those Westchester people being like um, uh, the guys in Sprainard, were there, ever, were there any other bands that, from, I guess that, that was it really band wise, uh, right? I mean, Sprainerd, failed attempts of facial hair. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, but that was... And, um, yeah, because I guess by that time, those two bands that you said, like, had, like, Dose was playing in TV Dinner and John was playing in TV Dinner, so it's mm-hmm. quite close friendship as well. Yeah, TV Dinner sort of um, evolved into, like, a collective. <laughs> there was several mem- members that would... Jump in and out. Jump in and out at that point, yeah. So. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so when you... So, like, how was... Yeah, how was that time? Uh, oh, meeting all those people was, was a super cool time. Because that's another suburb, right? Not far from, from Yeah, Westchester is about 15 minutes from Kennett. Um, it's a cool... It's like a college town, so there's a lot... A oh, lot everyone everywhere being another Westchester Oh, band. yeah, everyone everywhere. Yeah, how could we forget... Um, Westchester, there's, it's like more of a town of where there's things to do yeah, than Kennett was, so was. we would go to Westchester a lot to hang out, um, and see shows. There was a 
coffee shop there called Fenario um, that would have shows uh, a bunch. So we, we would be in Westchester all the time. So that's how I sort of came to know all those people. Um, and it was a cool, yeah, it was like, it was really special meeting all them because I was, I had just graduated high school and was kind of in a weird place and didn't really know what to do, uh, with my life, but, uh, they, yeah, meeting all those people, like, it felt okay to just, like, put serious life stuff on hold for a little bit and just have fun and be creative and play in bands and... Yeah, so you started, that's, I guess, you like you said, you were playing guitar at that point, and mm-hmm. then, like, a little later on, you started, um, so... How did Nona, were you like, cool, I've written some songs here. Like, how's Nona start? Um, well, Nona, actually, I, have to, I, owe, I owe that all to Pat Graham because um, he, I mean, TV Dinner was sort of not doing anything anymore. and But Pat knew that I, like, would still write songs and stuff. And he was like, "Let we should start a band. Like, you need to be in a band. Uh and I was like, I guess, like, sure. Uh, but it was a little scary, like, starting a band with, like, new people because I had been playing music with the same people for so many years. But uh, it's really cool that Pat, like, really encouraged that to happen. So he, Pat was basically the one that started Nona, and he came up with the band name and and all that. And I was just kind of like, all right, like, psh, yeah, like, let's do it. Um so, yeah, it was, uh, and then we had Ed McNulty play bass, who was also part of that crew, uh, and we started jamming in Mark Dickinson's basement. Cool. Uh, in Malvern, Pennsylvania, um, and it was really cool. Um, uh, that's how Nona started. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess Nona, um, I mean, seems like they were, Nona went through quite a lot of, could have been like yeah. four different band names, right? Yeah, at From least. Four different bands. Yeah. <laughs> Nona went through a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. How do you feel like looking back at that now? Or like, or is that like a, I guess it went through a lot, but I do, because obviously you're still writing, playing music now. Oh yeah. It was just like, the whole thing was just like, an incredible like learning experience like playing yeah we had we had a bunch of different band members in and out different drummers different bass players um and getting to play with so many different musicians was really cool because I think that made me a better musician okay yeah Um, yeah because I guess um uh yeah, I guess different musicians and also people that are like, some people were like brand new to playing that instrument, right? Some people yeah. maybe a little bit more like, so you're learning how to like do, like like Pat Graham is reasonably good, like a good drummer. Yeah, yeah. But then like Sean Morris starts after, who's like all the few enthusiasm in the world. Right, Maybe yeah. not the best drummer in the world, but I think he'd probably say he's worse than he is, but he's like, <laughs> you know, he's not, the best drummer in the world. Right. Which is right. like interesting. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you kind of like, 
as a guitar player, you like, yeah, the, the way that you write and structure a song sort of revolves around like what the other players are doing, like what, what their styles are. Yeah. So that can really have a major effect on your songwriting um, and stuff. Um, sometimes good and sometimes bad regardless of like what the skill level is it's just a matter of like what their style is i think yeah i mean i guess we was only having that conversation about something different the other day about um like i always remember that quote um i guess i read an interview with joyce manor and they're like what's your biggest influence and it was um well i guess our drummer because there's a lot of things he can't play so we take something to practice and we mm-hmm. have to like move it around until it's something that he can play. So that is the biggest influence on our music. Right, right. Which like obviously the way they're putting on it sounds like really cool and like that's like and obviously that first Joyce Manor record is, is great and it would probably have sounded completely different if it was With you know, a drummer. drummer that was just like, Oh cool, yep, yeah, I'm playing along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, drummers can have a major effect. I uh yeah, like Nona had a bunch of different drummers before we had well yeah uh, then you hit the jackpot right then I, then I hit the jackpot <laughs> with those um recently he, uh recently separated dose ready to take on the world yeah he's ironically time. now and well yeah back yeah back then he was yeah sprainerd had sort of like taken a break or whatever and he was a free agent and because I remember when, because um, I just, I guess about three months before that, um, I'd been on tour around Europe with with Dose. Mm-hmm. And he was like, when I get home, I'm playing second guitar in Nona. Yeah, or bass. I'm going to be in bass. Nona. Yeah. Whatever happens, I'm going to be in Nona. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, well, it was Raid, so that's when uh, Ed had been <laughs> uh, asked to leave okay um well like band. that's fine because what's he doing uh, now you know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he's fine though yeah i'm sure whatever he's doing would know whoever he's playing bass with he's doing fine yeah he's where he wants to be for sure he now um, plays in stadium rock outfit cock rock outfit <laughs> beach <line. laughs> <laughs> Um, moving on, uh, well, that could be a whole nother, I mean, that could be a whole nother episode, but, um, yeah, well, yeah. So Ed left and so we need a new bass player, um, because at that point, uh, a friend, Mike had been playing drums, Mike Holler, but Mike was also a really skilled bass player as well. Um, so Dose was originally like, let me join Nona. I want to play bass. But then Mike and I were both like, um, no, like you're playing <laughs> yeah. the drums. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was like a little bum because I think he just like wanted to like for once, like not be a drummer in a band. But um, I think in the end he was happy. So that was really cool. Um, I remember like our first practice um the three of us, me and Dose on drums and Mike on bass, uh, it was like really amazing because yeah. it really felt like a unit kind of like for once. Like um, it was just incredible to 
play with a drummer like those it just like opened up like so many new doors were you like was that one of those moments in i guess creative Mm -hmm. where you're like cool like this is this is you know that feeling that i guess it's hard to describe but Mm -hmm. that feeling of like yes yeah it was it was an amazing i'm not gonna sleep all week i'm just gonna think how cool this is yeah exactly it was so cool and we all felt it too like we were all super into it that first practice was like just really thrilling for yeah. all of us, um, and only super exciting. one song that you'd previously like released made it onto uh, the LP, right? Was the LP the first record that the three of you were on together? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Through so, the head. yeah, through the head. Um, so, yeah, um, and before Dose joined, a few months before, Mike and I had already started writing some new songs together, just the two of us. Um, so then when Dose joined, we had like a, a couple songs to work out with him and, but they came together really well. And then from there, we just started writing all together and, um, playing shows together and yeah. Cause Nona had like, so that great cynics tour that we like talked about a tiny mm-hmm. bit, that wasn't with, that wasn't that. No, that was, up, a, right? yeah, that was more in the earlier days of Nona. That was with, Ed and Pat. Yeah. So that was the OG. So Nona had already lineup. like toured. You did that split with people watching. Yeah, pe- who, that people watching yeah, split. Yeah. Um, Another. I feel like we're talking about a few people that have gone on to do quite. Big, yeah, people watching things. members of Gloss. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sadie. So you've done Gloss. quite. Um, yeah. So you like a few releases, few uh, few tours like friends in different places mm-hmm. like you'd already laid that groundwork yeah then... kind of already established like somewhat of like uh a, a yeah, thing what nona was yeah so like when you had the three of you was it like oh, okay like writing music is so fun let's spend like the next nine months in the basement writing songs or was it like cool let's take on the world or a bit of both uh i think a little bit of both i think we we're all like super excited and felt like we could take on the world but like yeah we were also sort of on a roll with like songwriting so we spent a lot of time at Mike's house he was in uh, Flemington New Jersey um we spent a lot of time there um practicing and writing and recording some demos and stuff um and uh we did, yeah, playing shows, a little bit of touring here and there, but really just working on a full length record was the goal. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it just it was super exciting. It was like the fir- first time where I felt like I really clicked with um, people I was in a band with, uh, like in a really like special, special way. Yeah. Yeah. Musically and like friendship wise as well. Yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. Cool. Yeah, because I guess like like you were saying at the start of Nona, Pat was like pushing that, mm-hmm. and I guess he's pushing that from a like best friend point of view, like yeah. really good friends. Yeah. But like like you, I guess where we're being at that point, and like you know, like where you're just like writing songs, so you're maybe not so sure. But then two years later, you're writing songs that you're sure about, and then you get this drummer that's the drummer, but also one of your best friends. So it's cool to have the like. Yeah, the best friend personally, like when you put the in- instruments down, but also someone that's like clicking with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
and Mike, obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it... Yeah, it was super cool that Dose, like, wanted to be in Nona. I felt I felt really good about that, the fact that he just, like, wanted to join this band because he liked it and liked my songwriting. So, um, and then I think we found after playing together that we just, like, really were on the same page musically. And, um, and so we developed, like, a really strong, like, musical... Uh, like relationship through through that yeah yeah um really just in sync and kind of like able to critique each other but like in a uh productive way cool uh someone yeah just like being able to like trust each other yeah where where did you record that record um so we recorded through the head in columbus ohio with this guy eric kronstein at a studio called the Tone Shop, which is where uh, the Psychics recorded their record "Awkward Breeds." They recorded it there with Eric. Um, nice, and, which sounds incredible. And yeah, I mean, I'm we, sure you can't make that sound bad, but yeah, like because it's just classic. But maybe we, I'm wrong, and it sounds that good because as well as because of the engineer as well. Oh yeah, I mean, Psychics are incredible. So, <laughs> but it does sound good. I mean, yeah, like we were definitely like. Was it, did like the other Columbus bands like Delay record there and stuff? Um, they did. Uh, yeah, they recorded um, their record. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Russian Ceremony. Okay. Yeah, 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 which is a really amazing record too. They were, yeah, so they recorded that there after Awkward Breeds was recorded there. So that was like two great records that we really loved, really liked the sound of. And we were in Columbus that previous summer playing a show and uh we decided to go visit the studio yeah um because we knew we wanted to start thinking about where we wanted to record a record so we were just like let's just check out the studio um see if we are into it so we did we took a visit to the studio we met eric and um we really liked it and liked Eric and um do you think that was like that was the right decision as well right the good like the process was fun I've never heard yeah. you say like oh you know like well not that you needed to but like that was the right decision. oh yeah for, for sure I think we recorded the following February there so it was kind of like the dead of winter we were like in the middle of nowhere like off the highway like off the interstate interstate in Columbus um and that's what eight hours uh, Columbus, yeah, like eight or nine. So good, like, right, we're going on holiday to write yeah, this record. Yeah, exactly. We spent ten, the whole way ten days out there. We took it pretty seriously. We just wanted to, like, really uh, post up and yeah. not have many distractions. And, I mean, there wasn't anything near us besides, like, a Waffle House Um to go to escape. Like, we couldn't really escape the studio, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and was you like record it? Was the was the guy quite strict on times, or were you like up at eight, finishing at ten, or like? No, it was really flexible. We had some like really cool like late nights. Uh, I think we started by like noon every day, but it was like pretty flexible. Yeah. Um, I think because we booked like eight days with him, 
we were kind of able to like take our time. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cool experience. It was my first time. Well, not really my first time in a real studio, but like your first time with an album with, with my own band. Yeah. First time recording a full length, like first time recording like my own stuff in a real studio. And, um, Eric was really good to work with. Um, he, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience, but he made it really comfortable. He had tons of cool gear. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, we just had a really, really fun, weird time. Sweet. And then that LP came out on, um, I forget the name of the label. Mandible. Mandible. Brilliant yeah. record label. I feel like if listeners don't know that um, maybe look up the band camp because there's a lot of brilliant records that are all they're all I'd say they're all punk but they're all very different yeah there's places totally different yeah all across the board uh amazing record label mandible records um and set in New York but yeah um and then when you come to tour it didn't Tenement Jared who, and vacation and um and yeah Jared who ran it who co-ran co it co-ran Mandible, Jared was a super good friend of mine. We were starting, we were starting to become good friends around that time. So, um, and yeah, Jared, once we finished the record, uh, and once it came out, Jared sort of joined the band as like a second guitar player because we had written a lot of second guitar parts on the record. So we wanted to be able to play that live. So he toured with us and played a bunch of shows with us. How well were those first tours, or the first tour, or... Um, I'm trying to think was of, Was it like, quite close to recording the record coming out, or was it one of those arduous three, three years, or, like, a year? It was or... pretty close. I, I think the record came out in, like, June. Okay, yeah, so and super quick. We, yeah, I think we did a tour pretty soon after it came out. Um, and, I mean, our tours, you know, they were fun. Like, we never had, like... You know, touring as like a band, I don't know. They weren't like, they were just super DIY. Like, some shows were awesome, some were not. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get, but um, really, really fun. Yeah. But then I guess you, I mean, also, you know how you're going to do in like, when you do know how you're going to get in like, you're like Columbus, like if you went back to Columbus, you'll know that there'll be quite a few people because yeah. you've already played there a certain amount of times. Exactly. I'm sure Richmond's the same. And that's a that was a really cool thing to start to notice. Like after you play in a city a couple times and you sort of are starting to form some friendships with people in that city, like you start to notice every time you come back, you can kind of count on that city to be a really fun show with yeah. a ton of friends and. Yeah. People at. So yeah, Columbus was definitely that place. Richmond was definitely another city that felt really, really fun and felt like home to play in. Cool. Love Richmond. Yeah, still one of your faves to Yeah. Long weekend it. It's been a while since I've been there, but it's on, yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So um yeah, you so you release a record, we're playing shows and stuff mm -hmm. on Mandible. Mm -hmm. And then um I guess 6131 mm -hmm. records like mm -hmm. come over and like started talking to you was like was that the f uh, first other label than like was mandible like oh hey pal i love your band like you 
and then it was like friendship wise yeah manable was definitely just like my friend jared hitting me up being like i love nona if you guys yeah i see you're gonna go and stuff, record. like we would love to put something out where 6131 did you know them before I uh, did not know them before, but had mutual friends at Richmond, Richmond people. Um, yeah. So I uh, think they found out about us through one of our Richmond friends who had like posted about us on Facebook or something. Okay. So it's like an email drop kind of thing rather yeah. than a like, oh, hey, here's my friend. They'd like to put out your record. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he emailed us, Sean emailed us and um, at the time... Our record had been out for like maybe six months and uh, Dose and I really like wanted to kind of take things to the next level and sort of wanted to do the, you know, whole industry thing and wanted to, you know, Mandible Records was like amazing, but they're, as far as like PR stuff, they, um, they just don't do that much. That's just not their thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of maybe wanted more of that. Maybe wanted to like try to get a booking agent. So we were like just trying to figure out what our next move was and trying to th- trying to think about like other labels, bigger labels that we could reach out to to see if they would want to work with us. Yeah. Um. So we were thinking a lot about that stuff. And then right around that time, we get this email from 6131 um saying that they would love to work with us and we didn't we we had never heard of that label but um they had done some some cool stuff they did the first Joyce Manor record and mainly just like hardcore stuff yeah I guess like Touche Amore was one of the yeah, big ones um so we just uh we were just kind of starry-eyed about it. And was you pretty stoked when you were like, oh, cool. Yeah, because, I mean, it was, like, the first time that, like, a semi, you know, a, a bigger label had reached out to us. And more, like, you know, like, because I guess, like, like Asian Man is, like, huge, but it's only going to do what Mandible is going to do. But obviously it has yeah. a bigger pool, but it's going to be, you know, we don't do PR. But, like, 6131 is a professional label, right? Yeah, so like, that's sort of what they... Do they? You yeah. Know, here's they our contract. The... Here's our like. Here's how we work. Exactly. Like, this is what we we want. What uh, what you just said. You wanted Nona to kind of start going down that. That's yeah. what six one three one do. Sort of a more like serious, like professional, professional, not DIY. Like, um, like uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, because I mean, it gets to DIY DIY stuff business. gets to a point where it's like. This is kind of a lot. Like, it'd be really cool if we had some help with this stuff, you know? Like, yeah. just having to do mail order and booking tours and, like, uh, it yeah. kind of becomes a lot. And, like, at a certain point, you're like, oh, wow, it'd be, it'd be kind of nice if we were on a bigger label that could just help us out more with this stuff and maybe get us on some bigger tours, support tours and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what we wanted at that time. and. Um, so they reached out to us at the perfect time and it seemed like exactly what, what we wanted. Um, and, uh, we kind of made the decision pretty quickly and a little impulsively, I would say to sign, um, a contract with, 
with these guys, 6131. Um, and you said it, Dosa knew were feeling like it at the time. Was Mike out the picture at this point? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Mike, Mike had just left Okay. around that time. So it was mainly just Dosa and I uh, soon... Still with that vision and like oh yeah on board and mm-hmm. you know you still got like we were saying you still got that like that like friendship yeah like, we of, were probably obviously sh- and like the strongest we had ever been at that point and just sort of really sure about where we wanted to go with the band um, yeah. and really pretty confident about it uh, just had a lot of faith in. And then this drops in your lap and you're like, cool, we have so much faith in our music and we're getting this email by people that clearly have that faith in our music too. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what it is, isn't it? If someone's like saying like, right, like your dream is like, we want to, our dream is to make your dream come true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we were just like, holy shit, like, let's fucking do it. You know, it was just like the first offer that was handed to us and we like took it. And in hindsight, we we sh- shouldn't really have done that. But but then if you don't... hadn't, we might be looking in hindsight, and you'd be like, oh, we could, you know, we had this offer, and like, then nothing kind of came about, and you know, like now. And then we would have never known. I know it's true. We've learned so much through. Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily really regret anything that we did because it was such an amazing like learning experience. Yeah. For so, both of us. so so then you did that. <clears throat> um we did and that and you we, you had um so who so who joined Nona at that point? Um so then we had um my a new friend of mine at that time, uh Nick Harris cool. joined in on bass. And um, like Jared isn't like was never like a writing member of Nona. No, right? he was it, just um He was like, I can get a week off work, I'll come with you and exactly, play guitar. Exactly. Which is where Nick was like, Cool, I'm in on this. This sounds like yeah, me. Because Nick was in a band called Luther um, from Philly that had been kind of touring like nonstop for like a few years. Um, but they had finally decided to take a break from touring and stuff like that. And that's when I met Nick and we became really good friends really fast and, um, clicked super hard on a musical level. We had like a lot of the same. Yeah. And the same with those as well, right? And uh, yeah, and Dose and Nick got on pretty well. Uh, yeah, they well, they, they a little, they took a little bit longer, <laughs> I think. To like, I think Dose at first was just like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" But like, it totally, it was, it was all good. But so yeah, Nick, Nick played bass. Yeah, and um, then so, so um, like, tell me if I'm skipping mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, six one three, and you, you like you pair up, and like you obviously you meet some a few mm-hmm. times, and you you're going down like you're both like like singing from the same prayer sheet, prayer sheet. Yeah. And they're and then they're like, cool, we'll re-release the record, which I guess makes sense if they're saying like we want well, everyone in the world to hear your record. Well, it was like, you, that was actually our our idea uh, was to do that. Okay. Um, because Manable released 300 LPs, right? Yeah, three or five. Um, yeah. But um, we we sort of negotiated with 6131 um, for them. Instead of writing a brand new record, we were like, how about you guys re-release our first record? Because 
not a lot of people heard it. Yeah, and like PR, um, like you said with PR, if you're thinking, oh, we missed a trick here because like Pitchfork's put, talking about this record, uh-huh. but we are better than this record and we don't sound too dissimilar or like yeah. you know, something like and that. and this record is done and you and could... it's sick. You could like, you know, start promoting it like immediately. Yeah. And, and we just were kind of impatient too. We were just like, well, uh, we wouldn't be able to write a new record until like at least like six months a year and like so we're just like you guys should just put out this record that we already have and Uh, obviously they love it because that's what they heard yeah and they they liked it a lot so it took like a little bit of convincing but then they were down under the uh circumstance that it would be remixed and remastered Okay, um, so that was from that was what they wanted. They wanted it to be remixed and remastered because, for whatever reason, they weren't stoked on uh, how it sounded, um, which is fine. And yeah, uh, kind of wish I had fought that a little bit more. Um, but in the end, we agreed to get it remixed and remastered. Um. Which definitely kind of drastically changed how the record was sounded. And it was kind of weird because it was just weird having like a person that like we didn't know and that like wasn't involved in the recording process at all, like remix and remaster the record. And uh, so it was really weird. It felt it felt pretty weird um, to do that. Yeah. Uh, Because I guess at this point, from what you've told me about Through the Head Mm -hmm. and Nona, it's like best friends mm-hmm. making the best music, like music that is authentic to them. Yeah. With choosing someone to record with that they know that their friends in other bands. Exactly. Like are saying like, this is the best Psychics record. This sounds like Psychics or a delay record. Right. And like you go there and like that whole experience. And then someone like, did you pick the mixer master? No, did not pick it. He was suggested by the label. Yeah. That's kind of what they wanted. I mean, it was like their money, you know, so we didn't really have a huge say in like who who was going to remix and remaster it. And um, so they kind of had they were kind of just like, all right, this guy's going to do it. OK. Um, and we were just like. but And it's also a guy with. um, uh, What's the word like? You know, it's not. It's like a guy that has recorded and mixed records before. Yeah, right? so yeah. It wasn't... It's someone that comes with um, a bit of weight to it as well. Yeah, I guess he had like kind of an established like name already, and I think the label was kind of psyched to have that to help promote the record better. Although I don't know how much that really like helped with it. Um, yeah. Um, so. How long till the record's coming out again? Like, did you carry on touring or like how, how, yeah. So, yeah. Um, when did the, I'm trying to think of like when the record was re-released with 6131. I think it was. Had you, did you like tour with the new record? Yeah. The record came out. Or play shows. We toured with it oh, god it's like kind of yeah i mean this is anyway it doesn't really matter it's a long time well, ago 
but yeah, so the so the record gets re- remixed and remastered, yeah, um, to a point where you know the label's happy, mm-hmm. the engineer's happy, and you're mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, yeah. So we thought. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were we were. I mean, at that point, we were just like, whatever. Let's just like. Okay. It it was sort of like. Let's it was kind of a long process, so we were just kind of like. And at that point, the record, the record had already, it was almost like two years old to us at that point. Oh, wow. So we were just like, ugh, like. Were you still writing at this point as well? No, not a lot, uh, a little bit, but. How come that went? Well, we were touring pretty often, and uh, I think also it was sort of like exhausting, like, um, sort of now that we were on this record label, like there was all these expectations of us. Um, were they like expectations that you thought other people, like you thought that you put on yourself or do you feel like there were actual expectations that were hard for you to handle? Oh, actual expectations. Not that I put on myself, but that the record label, put on us which i mean that's normal for a record label to be like all right we're doing all this shit for you so now you have to like do some stuff for us you know like you have to yeah i guess people will be like well that's what you signed that for yeah exactly they expect you you know surely you expected and they expected that right exactly but obviously that's that's the way it goes but we were just like starting to feel like maybe this wasn't what we should have done and um so and so that sort of caused me to be like kind of creatively stagnant, not really being able to write that much, and all of us sort of being like a little uninspired. And were you once we got a taste of like the music industry and and were you like aware at the time of being like this is kind of taking away my inspiration or look is it looking back you're like I guess that's why at that point I found it so hard or didn't even think about picking up my guitar because this is how I was feeling yeah I think during the time I was like pretty aware of what was happening um I mean we were still having a fun time like we when me Nick and Dose and Jared were touring together I mean the four of us just like had a lot of fun together and we like uh you know even when it was even when times were bad it was it was we still found a way to just have fun with each other so but but yeah like musically it just like really wasn't there um and there was one tour that we did down to south by southwest which we were pretty like pressured into playing um, by the label because that's kind of I mean from someone that just listen, like South by Southwest uh. is like a showcase isn't it and like that's yeah it's I guess, so dumb yeah but at the same time it's dumb maybe but like I feel like like there's bands hit, like that's what bands it's like if we're buying into the industry like this is like South by Southwest is the music industry right yeah like, I that's mean that's what that is I think like I think at one point uh, it was sort of a a beneficial thing for bands to to play South by Southwest because I think it at one time it legitimately was the place where you could 
play and like you know you would play for like different booking agents and different okay yeah yeah so did you ever get people and like you could you know yeah you might be able to like gain some interest um so that's so so yeah that's sort of what they were like you gotta play south by southwest like you'll get a booking agent like it'll be really good for you guys like but um we were just like fuck like we don't we really don't want because touring down to south by southwest like there's a million bands that are doing that at that time so like yeah booking a tour down there that period of time is just really hard um and especially being not a super well-known band like us like it's uh, yeah, because I guess like there's the whole like touring to fest is hard, but at least all those bands are doing it a more DIY way where it's like, cool, there's 10 punk band, like DIY gruff punk bands mm-hmm. that are like playing the same show where I guess with South cool. By, it's like, cool, there's like 10 bands playing in this city tonight all on their way to South By because mm-hmm. they all have agents. They're all playing their they're all playing their own shows. There's 10 different shows tonight rather than everyone's crammed into this one show in this one place. Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure that has something to do with it, too. Yeah, like... Um, or maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely hard, It's definitely a hard thing to tour down South by Southwest if you don't have, like, a booking agent that's going to get you one of those good yeah. shows at the good venue that, like, everyone's going to go to. So. Yeah. Um, so the tour was really bad. We didn't make any money. We played a couple stupid shows at South by Southwest that really didn't do anything for us. Um, and it was definitely tough. Like, uh, it was an extremely unsuccessful tour. Uh, but now, like when we all talk about it now, we just laugh about it because there was so many funny moments. And like I said, we knew how to have a good time together. So even in the darkest moments, we still had a good time, but like, if financially it was awful and just like a little soul sucking yeah okay. um and sort of set the tone unfortunately kind of set the tone for like the rest of of nona's existence um yeah which i guess is the sad thing that i'm hearing is that within two years from like this like we are like you know this gang like let's do it mm-hmm. to like, oh, it's not, you know, yeah. this isn't fun. Because, like, the record was out and, like, it wasn't, you know, I mean, it it just wasn't, like, doing, yeah. it's not like we were, like, getting tons of, you know, it's just, like, it just wasn't doing that well. And, like, which was, I mean, we didn't give it, I mean, we know that record is a really good record and, like, yeah. I've never doubted that. And, and like maybe if you did all of those shows and like lost all of that money that you didn't even have so you can't lose what you don't have so mm-hmm. you couldn't have done a lot of that stuff anyway but you know like that record is great mm-hmm. in, in my opinion in your yeah. opinion if you played you know uh 250 shows mm-hmm. a year for the next three years mm-hmm. maybe the world would be saying how amazing that record is mm-hmm. you know like yeah yeah it's sort of you kind of have to decide like uh what you want your relationship with music to be like, that's yeah. sort of what I really, really learned throughout this whole process. Um, was it hard 
ending Nona? Did you end Nona? Like, was that hard? Or was it just like, oh, of course it's ending like that? Um, yeah, it was It was my decision. And it was... Um, so the South By tour was in March. And then come, like, the fall of that year, Sprainerd had gotten back together. So Dose was really preoccupied with that stuff. And they were sort of, like, had kind of a second coming where they got a lot more popular than they had been before. So they were getting all these cool opportunities. And then yeah. uh, Nick had joined all dogs um, who were good friends of ours who we toured with. We had a really fun tour yeah. with all dogs. Um, but Nick joined all dogs as a second guitar player. And they too were like um, a band that was getting a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah. Um, and so no, none of us were really prioritizing Nona anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I just felt like it had run its course. You know, it had been like yeah. years of different members, different, just different types. Of, I mean, we've, the, yeah, like like you said, it could have been like four different bands. Cool. So how was um, how was like Nona playing a show? Like, was it last year? Right, you reformed, I guess you could. Oh yeah, well like, that how was, was that well, for it, Square of Op, right? Yeah, for Square of Op Fest. Well, we had like, I mean, long story short, we had to fulfill our contract with Six One Three One in some kind of way. We we kind of had to negotiate on that, but we ended up settling on uh, they would release a tape of songs of our we we had started writing some new songs before we broke up that were like really cool um so we were like let's just finish writing these songs because we were still you know we're still really good friends um so we were like fuck it like let's just finish these songs like we'll record them and uh we'll we'll have six one three one do a tape um and then that'll be you know we'll be released from the contract and it'll be fun to just record again together and yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did that uh, like two a year and a half ago. Well, oh wow! Two years ago, we we recorded and then okay. it came out that spring. Um, and I'm super proud of those songs. Yeah. So if someone songs, like no one, no one, no one knows them. No one has heard them really. I don't think anyone really listens to them. So if someone googled Nona and that's what they found those free songs, right? Yeah. Would you be like, cool, like they're good free songs. Yeah, Nona definitely. Songs to listen to. I think they're fucking awesome. Cool. It's kind of a shame that no one will ever hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people can hear them, but yeah, yeah, no one yeah. cares about them, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good songs that no one's ever cared about, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and you played show, you played, was we, it just yeah, the one? We, we played just one. Our friend, Chris, who runs a label called Square of Opposition out of uh, the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. Um, he's been an amazing friend to us over the years. He's a screen printer too, like makes, made all our t-shirts and um, puts out a bunch of great records. Um, he did a 20th anniversary or 10 year, some anniversary 75 i think it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is pretty old um but he did an anniversary fest with just a bunch of bands that have been involved with his label over the years so we played that it was right around the time that like that new tape had come out so we played that it was kind of like a reunion show i guess but 
Um, so it didn't feel like a reunion show. It was like, oh, let's just like we're friends and we're playing yeah, music exactly. for like yeah. for friends that enjoyed music. Right. That's cool. I think so, that's better than like being like, yeah, we're gonna like that's the perfect uh, for, like yeah. that sounds perfect. Being yeah, like, totally. Because yeah. yeah, if you like. Rather than, you know, there's some shitty bands that like, oh, we're going to reform. They'll play the church. They might sell it out. Or there might be like 30 people there. And like, then they're like, oh, I guess no one ever cared about us. Oh, I was just shit talking Sprainer. Yeah. Oh. oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, um, that's cool. So I guess we'll talk forever. So Mm -hmm. I'll try and um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately I'll jump over a year of Glad. But like, so now <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll come back. We'll, um, hopefully there'll be a part two. Uh, um, but so like right now, like how, so you're in eight. Yeah, eight. Are, are you in any other bands? Uh, not, no, not really. I, I mean, I'm, uh, no, I like write stuff for like potential different projects yeah. all the time. But right now actively it's just eight. Cool. And you released a seven inch this year? Yeah, just a couple months ago on Deadbroke Records, who I love. I love Mike Dumps, who runs that label. Cool. Um, a lot of good records on that label. Yeah, some great records. Um, and uh, yeah. So that's fun. And you're like feeling some of the ways that we were talking about earlier and not what we were talking about just now. And that's like. Yeah, it's just, it's a really it's a really good outlet. Um it's like a super like low pressure band. Um, my two bandmates are involved in like a lot of other different musical projects, so we're all pretty busy. And um, yeah, I guess eight doesn't seem to have the same um, ideas as what the band should do and be than say that Nona like when. But yeah. I guess all those those other two people have been in bands that have also had the same ideas, right? Exactly. I think the three of us are, like, all at a point where it's, like, all right, and now we can just kind of be in a band just to, like, have fun and, like, (laughs) play shows, like, every couple months and, like, not have it be, like, a super, like, thought-out, like... Yeah. um, Thought-out thing. Um, But it's cool. It was... um, It was, like, we initially started playing, like, I started playing with Kat Park, who plays bass. She's in Amanda X in another band um, called Preen and another band called Tact, and she's an amazing musician. And I've always wanted to be in a band with her, so it was really cool to finally start playing music with her. Um, She's an amazing bass player and guitar player. So we started playing with our friend uh, Evan on drums, but then... um, Evan got too busy with with his other projects, so then our friend Pat Breyer joined in, who's another ad- musician that I like admire in a massive way. So it was just, he's one. Of, he's always been one of my favorite drummers. So it was really cool to to be in a band with him. Um, and yeah, it's kind of been like a outlet for like breakup songs because when we first started, it was when I was going through a a hard breakup so it was and I was like writing all these songs so and then like I kind of like didn't write a lot of eight songs for a while and then but recently I've been writing more because going through another went through another breakup so it's like my breakup yeah song band okay which which is cool 
I'm writing. I'm excited for the um, the Tinder album. <laughs> and then they'll be, be short songs. Yeah, they'll be really short. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not even any words. Yeah, because... just uh, open the door, see the person, and walk back out. <laughs> just a, a door opening and then shutting. <laughs> yeah, or a phone unlocking and then locking. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, cool. Um, well, that's nice. It's, is it nice to have that outlet? Yeah, I love it. I love playing music with them so much. It's definitely a way different dynamic than Nona was, but it's definitely, it's really, I think it's a really good thing to like just play with different musicians and just, uh, yeah, get just like different experiences. And what, um, yeah, so you're obviously still in Philly now. Yeah. That's where you're living. Um, how is that how is life like so you're working mm. full-time not in education or anything now uh I, I don't work full-time um I, but i do yeah i work at little baby's ice cream best ice cream in town yeah i um just a little steal it for myself uh-huh. so when i um was in last year i was traveling around and the cheapest way for me to get from sao paulo to Guatemala was uh-huh. via New 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 Jersey, so I thought I'd go and see Mimi and some other friends for a few days in mm-hmm. Philly, rather than just doing a whole three day flight. And um, I went to Little Babies and I got some uh, of the, I guess it's the sorbet, right? Uh, well, we do like the non dairy, yeah, vegan. It's not it's just not sorbet, but it's not a sorbet. Okay, it's, that's um, good. It's, yeah. Well, because for the for the two months previous, uh-huh. um, if I could find ice cream, it would be sorbet. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was either looking the wrong places or I couldn't find, like, to find like a vegan dairy. ice cream. Yeah. And I was like, oh, these sorbets are great. And then I went to Little Babies mm-hmm. and then I had the, the, the vegan ice cream and I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> Maybe this is like what all food is like. Like <laughs> I have like, I think that food is great, which uh-huh. it obviously is uh, uh-huh. the best food all the time. But then I tried this different thing that I'd been like nowhere close to for like two months and was like, oh, okay. I thought that sorbet was good and it was at the time, but this is unbelievable. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get that reaction a lot with when people try the non-dairy stuff. It's really fucking good. Um, yeah, it's a super fun place to work. Um, I love, I love my coworkers and yeah. Do you think and- that that kind of job, uh, I probably sound like your mum now, mm-hmm. but it's like, like that kind of uh, stuff is what you want to do forever or is it good for the creative stuff that you do uh, at the moment or is it just see how it goes kind of anyway? Not what I want to do forever. Fine for now. Starting to think more about the future. So, yeah. Fine for now. Cool. And then we'll do part two <laughs> part in two. 50 years and we'll just see Where what... Is she now? And, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so 8 mm-hmm. is good. Who are the yeah. great bands that 8 plays with before, we, before uh, we go? Well, Pat is in another amazing band called Queen Jesus, who we play with a lot. Um, Queen Jesus is fantastic. Um, and who else do we play with? Uh, oh, um, you said um, Kat also plays in Preen. Yeah, Kat plays yeah. in an awesome band called Preen. And if you listen to the last episode and Kyla Stone's episode, you'd have heard us talking about a guy called Derek, who is also in Preen. Derek is also in Preen. So quite a culture sphere um, 
yeah, spoken about a lot. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's tons of good, uh, there's so many good Philly. <laughs> I just, when I like, I have to like think about it on the spot. I'm like, who are my, f- f- um, big guys? nothing. We spoke about that oh, record yeah. being cool. Big nothing is great. Pat Graham, who we've spoken a lot about so far in this episode. Amazing band. Um, Pat is an amazing songwriter and I admire him a lot. So what, what are you looking forward to for the rest of your, your travels around the UK? Um, I'm just looking forward to, uh, seeing some more friends and like hanging out. I don't know when I'm traveling. I kind of just like, like to like, uh, not, not try to pack too many things in, but just kind of like enjoy, Cool. enjoy myself as much as I can without like getting myself stressed out. Yeah. Um, so kind of just taking it a day at a time, but, uh, yeah. And, um, where can we find eight online? Um, you can find us on dead records.bandcamp.com. Cool. And that's a, the lit, a e i g h t rather yes. than the number. Yes, the okay. number, but spelled out. Cool. Um, and cool. we have like an Instagram. Oh, nice! Very flashy. I know, no Facebook, but we do have an Instagram. That is so cool. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, people should listen to those Nona records. They're both for sale on six one three one. I also have like a. Th- the other, <laughs> they've got a few of them, unfortunately, to, I, and I've got a few of them too. So maybe they should go to six one three one. Maybe go to six one three one first. And if they have sold out, hit me me up on eight's Instagram because I just have so many. Um, but yeah, cool. Thank you for chatting. Thank you, Sean. It's been fun. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll do we'll do more at some point. Part two. Looking forward but, to um, it. Yeah. Thanks, Mimi. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. (laughs) Bye. Hey, thanks for listening all the way through. This sounded so great because our engineer Liam is a genius. Follow him on Twitter at Liam C Audio. The music I talk over in the intro is by my buddy Sean. Find his beats at soundcloud.com forward slash KFS1. This song you're listening to now is called Rot and it's by 8.
No snacking whilst we record. <laughs>